Hello, welcome to the Pretty Deadly Podcast. I'm Susie Colick, the creator of Pretty Deadly Self-Defense, a self-empowerment program through self-defense. I'm a storyteller, a violent crime survivor, and a martial artist. I use these experiences to develop a program that's tailored for the way women actually learn, the things we actually face, and that's actually fun. Well, I think it's fun. We do too. These are some of our Pretty Deadly Self-Defense Certified Trainers. Hi, I'm Serena. Hi, I'm Shelby. And I'm Marilise. They're in LA, and I'm in Berlin. And there are a lot of miles between us. So what do you do if there isn't a Pretty Deadly Self-Defense course near you? Well, we put some basic techniques in an app. Which you can download from our website, prettydeadlyselfdefense.com. But we thought it would also be a good idea to take some of the self-defense questions we're most frequently asked and put it in the podcast. Welcome to the Pretty Deadly Self-Defense Podcast. Welcome to episode 63. This week we are discussing how to, the various ways in which you can defend yourself while being a performer. So I know for um, me, I have friends who are in who perform in drag regularly, who their profession is to be a, an exotic dancer, a stripper. And I have friends who do a lot of cosplay. And um, across the board, all three of those tend to have very, very similar situations um, where they are a lot of the times wearing or not wearing provocative uh, things in provocative in quotation marks. The venue always has a rule against no touching, but that's rarely actually enforced on the uh, audience member and the performer is usually touched uh, against their consent and it's usually in an inappropriate area it's a um, a grab usually toward to see if the boobs are real or if the uh, where did they hide their penis you know that kind of a thing so it's very um, uh, it's a very quick and aggressive usually but also it can be very um, harmful to the performer. And the performer, I know a lot of the difficulties for the performer are if you break your performance, well, that makes you as a performer look bad. Um, if you break your character, then other people are going to be like, well, why did they break character? They must not be that good of a performer. You can lose your tips. You can lose your invitation back to the venue. Um, you might not get invited back to perform again. If you get too aggressive back to the person or like get too angry with the audience member. Um, and again, you know, the the venue isn't really going to protect you. The laws don't really protect you in um, some of these situations because of the nature of the performance. Um, it can be identified, it can be included in the sex work category, and therefore you lose a lot of the protections that we would normally experience in everyday life. So I guess the question I'm posing here is how are, how can we um, come up with some ways to uh, navigate that situation so that way you can either not be touched even though you're very close to them or how to react to being touched against your will without breaking character or losing out potentially on um, future invitations or money. Mm -hmm. Such a difficult situation. <laughs> I picked that. I wish that, no, I think it's good. I wish that um, I had asked one of my burlesque friends to join us. So here in Berlin, burlesque is a is a is an old tradition. 
Um, and there's a lot of burlesque workers, burlesque dancers, um, and they're pretty organized. And they really, really support each other, especially in terms of stuff like this. So it's it's a it's a good environment, I think, for burlesque workers, from what I understand. But of course, that's not everywhere. And I think that no matter where you are, you know, if you are an exotic dancer or a cosplay performer or whatever, that idea of like you're on stage and so now you're everything about you is now public. And I have a right as a paying audience member to to treat you like an object because you're here only for my entertainment. Without getting into the whole politics of that nonsense. Um, yeah, how can we defend ourselves? I personally am a big fan of fingers. And by that, I mean, I've forgotten the the... Ninjutsu term, oyogoshi? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a really big fan of those. I'm a big fan of those because they are so painful for men, because they're very delicate, and because it looks like you're not actually doing anything. And it's so humiliating for men to have a woman peel your small finger back and put it into such a painful lock that you are that you are literally on your toes. Like, how do you how are you going to explain that one away, Macho Man? So, for people who don't know though how to do finger attacks, how would you describe like doing yeah. that? We're just throwing out random Japanese words. That are, <laughs> yeah, right. I don't, <laughs> that I don't even remember. Yeah. Um, the way that I describe it when I'm teaching it to people is is kind of like peeling a banana. It's a really, um, it's really a challenge to try and put this particular technique into words I found. So if you guys have different ways of explaining it, please jump in. The way that I explain it is, um, let's imagine that somebody's hand is on your breast. So I want to take my, the opposite hand, the hand on the opposite side. So not the hand on the same side of the breast that's all right this isn't going very well let's say that some, let's say that someone's hand is on your right breast so i'm not going to switch it here so i'm going to take my left hand and i'm going to turn the palm away from myself and slide that palm in between my breast and the offending fit just one finger usually the small finger because that's the one that's closest and then I'm going to turn my palm to the floor. So it's kind of like peeling a banana. That's what I want to think of. So I don't want to, I don't want to pull the, the hand off of my breast. I just want to keep my hand in the same position and turn the palm to the floor. That's a kind of a bigger way to learn the move until you feel comfortable with it and you can actually just take your forefinger and your thumb and peel that finger back. So in a situation of exotic dance um, and burlesque and even cosplay, well, if you're wearing a costume that covers your, your hands, it might be a little bit more, not more difficult, but you won't get the same kind of like, you know, 
fluid motion. But in the terms of exotic dance and burlesque, you can very easily make it look like you're having a good time and just taking that person's finger, peeling it away, and then turning that into a lock. It doesn't have to be as big of a motion as causing someone a lot of pain and um, raising them up under their tiptoes, but it can be just enough to show that you know how to actually take it farther, which can be discouraging. And again, because it's the pinky, when it goes against the pinky, it's so confusing for the type of person who would do that. You know, because pinkies are like, I mean, one, nobody really ever thinks about pinkies, I think, but it's just seems like it's, we've, I don't know about you guys, but for me, it feels like pinkies are almost gendered, you know, it's like, it's the, it's the, it's, it's the girly finger. (laughs) Yeah. Like if a guy came up and said, you know, she pulled my pinky and I got thrown to the floor by my pinky. Everyone's just going to stare at you and go, what they really they don't take it seriously right but if you can if you can pull that away just a little bit so as i when i'm teaching it i teach it with the whole hand because it's the easier way to like start learning how to do it but if you can pull it away even with your with your forefinger and your thumb and turn that into a lock or just enough of a lock to let that person know you're serious that can be a great way to discourage it without breaking character you know so imagine if you're like you know dancing around and somebody's you can't actually see me on our our camera but if you're dancing around i'll adjust this a bit you know and somebody's hand is here you could easily just you know you could very easily just do this dunk right that's terrible on a podcast just do this (laughs) you have no idea what i just saw the sound effect helped yeah Yeah, she just pulled the finger back in the way in which you usually stretch your hand backwards towards uh your elbow that's pretty much what she just did (laughs) yeah that's a really good way to to phrase that so if you think if you if you're practicing it if you consider the hand that's that's violating you um your own hand just for the sake of practice. And then you're, yeah, you're stretching your fingers. So when you peel your small finger as far back as you can on your hand to stretch it, you want to do that to the same person. You want to do that to the person who's violating you. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, we, I mean, cause we have that one and then we have the thumb compression one, which is my personal favorite for big hands that you have trouble getting peeled off where you take your, your thumb, you can put your thumb on your own hand and you bend your, so say like I have my left hand, I'm going to bend the thumb on my left hand. I'm going to take my right hand and I'm going to put that thumb on the part where the nail bed is. And I'm going to take my middle finger back where my uh, joint is on my wrist and I'm just going to compress it together. And she, she's done this one to me and it's not <laughs> her it's favorite, like, my least yes. favorite. Because when they're grabbing you, sometimes you can't get to the finger. The thumb's always on top, baby. <laughs> so you just that's true. Peel it off, and it's the same thing. It's a compression versus a stretch out. That's that's just right. the difference. And it's the same idea altogether. But yeah, no, it it definitely looks. It doesn't look like you're doing anything because your hands just kind of like this. It looks like you're just kind of gently holding your hand when that's not actually what happened. <laughs> right. And it can look like you're very delicately removing somebody's hand because I think that when people grab, they, if they, 
it, whether it's a very quick grab or it's a slower, like, pardon the term, but meteor grab, the, <laughs> um, the, the person who's being violated is, is still going to, well, that's not what I want to say. The person who's grabbing kind of expects that their hand is going to be brushed away or taken away in some manner. But to do it by adding this little lock to the joint to cause just, a, just enough pain to let them know. Also, because when you don't know what this is, this particular lock, when you've never had this done to you before, you've never learned it from martial arts, because I think this one is really unique to us, to our martial art. Um, <clears throat> when you don't know it, you have no idea how that person did that. You know, it's like what I, I don't that really, really hurt. And I have no idea what you did when I show this um, in Pretty Deadly. That's usually the question. Like, how did you do it? What did you do? Because all they see is me holding somebody's finger. And even the person that it's being done to is I don't you just grab my finger and I'm in a lot of pain. I don't get it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Really so I think that that's a great way to do it. If somebody's grabbing. um to see like, you know, where did you hide your penis? What might we, what, what might we do in that situation? Obviously that's a different part of the body, but can we incorporate some, some other movement that looks like you're taking something, you're taking the hand away, but you're tweaking that movement just a little bit to show like you do it again and I'm going to break your wrist. Yeah, because you can or whatever it is, you can definitely grab the fingers if it's say like. Uh, and Shelby, you're gonna have to to answer this because I'm not entirely certain. I'm assuming they're grabbing the crotch area, right? Yeah, uh, they're grabbing to check for that crotch area. Yeah. So okay. They, yeah. So the if they're yeah, yeah, your thumb can easily. Oh God, I'm totally doing this while I'm talking about it. But your thumb can easily slip where there's where the uh, opening between the thumb and the uh, first finger is and you can pull their their uh, hands back in that peel motion just as we were doing up top and it will definitely if you do it towards them like um towards their elbow it actually creates a bit of a wrist lock as well huh. I but, also wanna, okay, i want to throw there kind of in a different direction i don't know if this is possible so i guess it's maybe a little bit of a question but we're focusing mostly on removal. Is there also a way where we can incorporate like nails? Like, could you, you know, scratch their hand and it be more of an oops, you got in the way of my movement and my nails happened to get you or I don't know. I'm just thinking if it's really quick, cause we won't, there isn't always time to grab. And sometimes I could see people being nervous about the precision. Cause I know that's my mm -hmm. thing somebody's grabbing me. I don't know. I don't want to miss. And I also don't want to lose the chance. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to lose the chance to lock up your fingers. You want to make it clear. This isn't okay. Like Shelby said, like it's, it's inappropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There should be a repercussion. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah, I I feel like nails can be really tricky in that situation because they're more obvious. Because I think it's easier for the customer to or audience member to say like she scratched me with her nails. It leaves a mark, you know. Yeah. It leaves a mark and I think it's 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 a more it's a response that's kind of 
in a way could be um, expected and in a way maybe accepted, but it's really easy to turn that around and accuse, you know, and say like, you deliberately did this and look how deep you scratched me and now I'm going to sue the whole club and whatever. So I feel like nails are always a great weapon to use, but I feel that in this particular case, they come with a, a bit of a danger more for the, the person who's defending themselves. I think um, one of the things that I like to remind people about grabs, and it's really hard to get yourself into this mindset, but I think we've all learned this in the same way, that once the hand is on you, the violation's done. And instead of focusing on like, oh, get that off, you know, like trying to brush that away, we actually want to leave it there. So here's where we can, you know, we don't want to miss the opportunity, right? So instead of reacting to something that's already happened, we were, we want to focus on, we want to train for reacting to what's happening now so I can take that and turn it into something new. So instead of brushing the hand away, it's, uh, it's, it can be a bit calmer. And I think especially with performers, um, you're so used to being able to, um, to incorporate any kind of mistake into your act. You know, like if you stumble, you make it look like it's part of the dance, right? So <clears throat> instead, if it's, you know, somebody grabs and you can't break character, you know, you don't necessarily like slap something away, but instead you can train, you know, you can use that oyogoshi or kogoroshi technique, the thumb peel or the, the, or the thumb compression or the finger peel um, to take them away and, and dissuade them, discourage them from doing that again. I think sometimes that little threat of like, if I can do this, just imagine what else I can do. Yeah. While smiling, you know, I think that's fair. It, one thing that actually went through my head when I saw this, um, uh, prompt Shelby was that I, I instantly thought of, um, drag performances and how adept they are at using humor to diffuse situations and how they're so good at it. And it really makes me feel like, you know, if you're, um, just a non-physical way, you know, a non-physical way to incorporate is, I mean, I've seen this happen where they utilize humor, um, you know, not to fully human humiliate, but to lightly humiliate and, and cause them to rethink what they're doing, you know, and they do incorporate it in, but the use of humor to disrupt something is always a very effective tactic because people are not usually prepared for it. And just jumping on that, I, the some of the drag performers that I know who has spoken with, unfortunately, it's really hard for them to do that because drag is such a um, an escape for them from maybe they've got mm-hmm. some diaspora going on. So if they do get grabbed in those areas, it's a reminder um, for them of, hey, you know, I don't have XYZ in the area that they're touching. And it brings them back into the unfortunate um pre-transitional state that they might be in. And so that can be very difficult for them. Um, And humor in that moment might be really tough, but, you know, they also are performers. So hopefully they can um, get that humor in there maybe in that moment and then try and focus and deal with the repercussions later. 
Um, but we do recognize that that is an unfortunate side effect of being grabbed in that particular um, instance. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, I can, I can absolutely see how that would be difficult. I think it's a, I think one of the things to really focus on is something you just said and something I said earlier as well is that they are performers mm -hmm. and using that skill of performance to be able to stay in that moment and turn, turn these things into something um, that is, that does have a consequence, as you pointed out, Mary Lise, like you have to, you know, it's not just white, you know, brushing something away and then someone's going to do it again. You know, you want to be able to shut it down and let somehow communicate that this is not okay. And if you do do it again, I do know how to defend myself. Um, but focusing on that performance aspect, you know, like you may not be able to, to, uh, crack a joke, you know, about the situation. But as you pointed out, when you first introduced this topic that, you know, if you break character, there's a lot of consequences, you know, there can be a domino effect that's all bad for you. So it's about staying in character and working in these like sort of very subtle self-defense movements to remove those violations and, and discourage any, and let somebody know, you know, like it's not okay and you will get hurt if you continue to do this. And I think, I, I honestly think practicing that is very, very helpful. Uh, practicing the scenarios and character, practicing the scenarios while you're in, you know, like if you're a pole dancer, while you're in very limited clothing, you know, um, you know, what, how do I, you know, what happens with this? Because if you go through the rehearsal of it, when it does happen, it does flip something in you from being like, oh my God, how dare they to, oh, I get to do what I practice. You know, it, it like, there's this reverse psychological reverse that happens when you do that. Um, and I think we've all seen it as, as people who do martial arts, but, um, you know, I think that it's important, especially if you're going to be on stage or out there to practice that happening, you know, and muscle memory too, especially with these locks. But I know completely not related to performance. I was at working at my first job right after I started martial arts and my boss came up in like a mocking way to be like, Oh, I'm so frustrated with you. And his joke was that he was going to like put his hands, um, you know, he was jokingly miming that he was going to put his hands around my neck. Um, which is not the best tasting joke, but it was what he was doing and it was not meant to actually, you know, touch me. But in reaction, before his hands ever got there, even th started to, I didn't even think about it. My hands were doing um, a block, a self-defense block that I'd just been taught like a few weeks ago and it was muscle memory. And I kind of like paused when he stopped and I stopped. Um, and I was like, <laughs> what are my hands even doing here? <laughs> like, I didn't, I didn't oh, consciously I just, think like, oh, this is what I was going to. No, no. It was just like, okay, what was I going to do after that? Like, you know, um, so if you're a performer and you start practicing these locks, then maybe hopefully if somebody like immediately makes contact with you, you can immediately just, like, without thinking about it, perform the lock and break it out with the flourish and um, however you want it to appear. Right. But I mean, and that's why we train, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, that's to, to, to make these movements natural for us so we don't have to think about them, you know? And I think when people are first learning them, they, they, 
often feel like, you know, well, why isn't it coming immediately? You know, and forgetting about the fact that, you know, we train, we do this repetitively so that the movement is smooth and natural and we never have to think about it. But to make it a part of your your training when you're rehearsing your act is a brilliant idea, you know, and we have so many tools in ninjutsu specifically, which are these like, you know, really small, subtle things that can very easily be covered over, you know, with, oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was just, I was just removing your finger. Did that hurt? I didn't, I guess I don't know my own strength. Ha ha. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, the other person doesn't know, you know, they don't have to know. And if it's a, if, if you learn this stuff, like in a self-defense class, you know, we actually teach these finger locks in level two. Um, we teach them for violations on the subway, but obviously there's a lot of applications, but if you learn these in a self-defense class, it's not like, um, you know, some customer is going to Google you and find out that you're enrolled in some dojo somewhere. Yeah. You know, so there, so there's like, there's, there's kind of no trace and it's very easy to cover over and say, I, I don't know why it hurt your finger. I guess you need to loosen up, honey. Ah, uh, yeah. And you know? step like, I should be, a, I should be a drag queen. <laughs> I am not the first person who has said that about me. By the way. <laughs> um, I want to mention one other thing we didn't talk about with it is that um, stepping on feet is actually a really good one too. Um, you know, we're talking all about hands, but you can actually step on the feet and make that look very accidental. Um, so that's, that's definitely an option that's always there. Um there was one thing that Shelby mentioned because she was talking about being in a restaurant. And this occurred to me actually in the middle of our conversation. And that's that, yes, this happens when you're out there um, being a performer, but this also happens like as a restaurant person, you know, as a server, like when any, any person who deals with the public a lot somehow ends up encountering kind of things like that, where people are getting inappropriate with you. And a lot of, some of the times, even with like the drag venue or um, the cosplay venue, especially you're performing, yeah, and you're on stage, but then you get off and you, it's when you're walking around and interacting with the people. So that's when, oh, I'm asking for tips or I'm giving somebody an autograph or a photograph, you know, and now I'm in a crowded space. It was a performance on stage, but now it's a um, more intimate or crowded setting. So, and that can translate to anywhere, just the performance aspect of it might differ based off of the situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that can happen to any, yeah. I mean, anyone in these situations, I know certainly um, any kind of performer, you know, Amanda Palmer actually wrote about this uh, twice it once in her book. And then I think it happened again at, at a later stage. And she mentioned it on Twitter. Um, during one of her performances, like she used to do these statue performances um, and she was violated through touch. So it's, it's, I think it's something that um, anyone is vulnerable to, but I think training that as a part of, um, as a part of your rehearsal, as a part of your character, as a part of, you know, this thing that you're doing, whether it's for work or fun or whatever, and just, just incorporating it, you know, it doesn't have to be separate and it doesn't have to necessarily carry a negative connotation with it in the sense of like, you know, I know I'm entering this world and these ugly things happen, but just 
you know, I'm just protecting myself so I can continue on performing. I guess let that be part of your character that you know what to do if someone grabs you and your character is not going to take that shit. Pretty Deadly Self-Defense is a self-defense program based in Berlin, but with coaches and trainers in a growing number of cities in Europe and around the world. If you want to join us just to take a course or to become a coach, a trainer, or even offer Pretty Deadly in your school or studio, let us know through our website at prettydeadlyselfdefense.com or find us through our app. Just search for Pretty Deadly Self-Defense in your favorite app store and download for free. And remember that all of our paid programs fund our volunteer work. So when you empower yourself, you're actually empowering another woman, too. Thanks for being here. I'm Susie Collick, and you've been listening to the Pretty Deadly Podcast. See you next week.